Yes, the Friday Rock Show is broadcasting live from the Fish Stadium to celebrate the World Cup 2018. In Sashi! On tonight's show, we will have music from Heavy Tiger, Who Manchu, yeah. Fallout Boy, no. White Wizard, oh. Five Finger Death yeah. Punch, Dwarf, yeah. Pop Evil, and nothing more. What, there's more after that? Of course there's more, Tony. We'll also have letters from our listeners. Yes! Professor Critic taking on The Last Jedi. We'll be watching World Cup football. So join Tony and myself as we talk out and hope to score heavily and not go to any extra time. All right. Let's start with this.
Yes, I haven't heard such cheery chord work since the 1980s. That was Heavy Tiger, when I go for the cheap ones. Jiggler's taken off 2017's Glitter LP. Ooh. The Swedish Chunky Monkey's second plate of bouncy puppy fat rock. Rockin'. Served up after her initial hefty slice Saigon Kiss back in 2014. Mm. To the tooty trio of singer Maya, bass slapper Sarah, and dubby thumper Astrid, we at the Friday Rock Show say, SCAL! We go for the cheap ones here too, girls. But sadly, right now, Heavy Tiger are sitting it out. That's right, they're taking a break from the biz. Why? Finished before they got started. Okay, so who got pregnant? Ah, <laughs> chaotic oh, in here! Oh, fucking hell, stings everywhere. Sure, barely Ooh. time to talk, lads. Welcome to Rush Tones, they're pressing we buttons We managed to get in. Place. Yes, we're we the We're live here in Sochi for the 2018 World Cup, celebrating football and celebrating rock music tonight. What match are we here for, Tony? It's actually uh, Panama versus England. Yay, England. Go, England. So we'll, we'll put some money on, on Harry Kane there scoring a few goals. I have a few quid on Panama, actually. I think you're a dark horse. You used to talk about Harry Kane a lot, but I think it was rhyming slang for something else. You'd always no, know. no, it was Vow Wow. Them lads, them Jap lads from the 80s, they, was called, they had a song called Hurricane. But you used to go out looking for, for, the, for Harry, Harry Kane. I know, no, that you're mistaken. No, 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 no. No. I, I wasn't looking for the Martian powder. Okay, so we've lots coming up on the show. Sorry, sorry, yeah, wait a minute. Sorry, we were talking over the English National Anthem. I don't think they're going to be very happy about that. But sorry, let's make amends by listening to the Panama National Anthem. Okay, so we've lots coming up on the show tonight. We've some great music, as mentioned earlier, and we've got the usual letters from our listeners. Excellent! And don't forget, Professor Critic is coming up later. Professor Critic, it's a good one tonight. Trust we, me. We have to. We have to. We're contractually obliged to uh, play some World Cup official stuff. Sorry about this, but you know, it's the only way we got into the stadium if we played uh, the World Cup official song. And a stupid mascot thing that we have to show you, but never mind. Don't be watching the TV. Don't be listening to the Beglin or the Linekers or the lads. So, we're going to start with a letter? Actually, <laughs> we're going to start with this. What's that you say, Tony? Someone's on the line already. Yeah, the phone's been hopping since we got in the stadium. We just managed to fix up the PABX there only 20 minutes ago before we came live on air. But, yeah, you should take this, Aisling. Hello, friend. Hello? Who's this? My name is Chris. Hi, Chris. You're live on the Friday Rock Show. All right. Okay, so you can fire away, Chris. Close your eyes. Huh? Imagine you are in Russia. Wait a minute, but you are in Russia. Yes, we're here, live! The eyes are closed! Russian girls are beautiful. Yeah. But they are not as easy to shut up as you, I think. This they live in a cold country, surrounded by brutal men. That's terrible. Isn't it? They deserve. And respect. they have a strong character. Oh, Nikita, this you will never know. That's why I'm making for you guys on how to get Russian girls into the bed. Hey! I'm here for you guys. Hey! Yay! All right. 
Do it, Chris. Do it. It's really common in Russia to come to a girl on the street and tell her, Привет, можно с тобой познакомиться, красавица? Tony, we're going to have to learn this phrase. We do. What does it mean? Yeah, I told you. <laughs> What's it mean? Привет means hi. Можно is Russian equivalent of can. Z means with. Тобой means you. Познакомиться. По, зна, ко, ми. Means go to fuck. I have a tip for you. Huh? First of all, don't be too informal. Russian women just love to feel that they are respected. Private masters to buy pussy, come on ya! Could you help me, please? Could you help me, please? I'm about to shoot the load. Yep. So then she will ask you, Что вы хотите? Что вы хотите? Что вы хотите? What do you want? Show ya me hot Mickey, eh? Me speak Russian, Aideen! Alright, cool. You have attracted her attention. Now she's ready to spend a little bit of her time in the bed. Thanks, Chris! Oh, wow, as simple as that. Amazing! Yeah. That's cool. Well, thanks very much, Chris, for planning our weekend here in Russia. See you soon, guys. See you soon, Chris. All right, we will. Bye. Call you back. Bye. Love you. Bye. 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 Private mushers. Bye. Yeah, and thanks to Chris there for those handy tips. Now, obviously, we'll be taking them down, noting them, but we won't be using them ourselves. You're choking, of course, you're going to use them now. Whenever the girls are going to deliver us to beer now in the next break, I'm going to try that. Being as you're happily married to Maggie. What goes on tour? Stays on tour. Okay, just so you know we're on the radio right now. <laughs> oh, I'm on the radio? Yes. You've been on the radio for a long you know, time. you red lights on, is it? A long time, Tony. Long time. This is your job. We're not just here having to laugh on our own here. You're pressing these buttons, so because it live to the nation. Well, we're just watching football. What do you think? You turn up once a week, you press a load of we're buttons. We're in the like fucking press box watching football. I'm here to hang out. Anyway. So, yeah, we'll we pass on um, Chris' handy tips to any young men we meet, uh, young English speakers, who might be wanting to get lucky tonight in Sochi. So, let's have one of our letters from one of our loyal listeners, starting tonight with... Peter! How are you, life lovers? Peter here, lads. It's been a few moons. It has? Many books and trusses with us sat by the river to drink cans. Listen, I've some serious news for you. So you settle down and pay attention. Serious? I fear that I might make you cry, but it has to be said, sadly, that Peter here has got a dose of the AIDS. AIDS? Yep, there's no milk in the sourness over. I'm riddled. And it was all on account of my brief career in porn. Oh no! You may remember I was known as the Pilf, the painter I'd like to fuck. And for a while, <laughs> that was the desire of many's a woman's. Even gay lords too, as I was ventured up the anal porn. Oh. Making Queer Hawk Legends Red Hole 1. I was living like the 60s. Even Rob Martin Mack's wife as he slept in the chair at Halloween. You did not! It was me life! As a result, I'm fuck all squared up in front of the judge in court now as I had gave 18 women the AIDS. <laughs> oh no! Charged with 18 counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> Day one in court was in front of Judge Barney near Dulaca. I was cacking. My defender was Solicitor Fred Byrne. 
Fred argued, like he did in the corner house, denying he burnt down the school. He argued that Peter was no different from the other men who loved to chase the woman's. He asked the jury to be fair, as I spent two years in solitary confinement. I had. I was back in Avondale, holed up, staring out the window, pulling the flag as the dog walkers oh. and fat runners went by. That was a flare, you know, at first close. Yeah. Are we, are we safe in here, Tony? It's alright, we are, kinda. Kinda. Not filling me with confidence here, Tony? Jim, Jim's laughing at you. <laughs> Exhibit 1. Peter's log. The jurors gasped. Their eyes beheld a monster. But only on freeze frame. Fred said this was me monkey. <laughs> Fred said this was me moneymaker. And riding was what I did. I'm asking you not to give this man a life sentence. I'm asking you to give him somewhere around 20 years. Ha! 20 fucking years? Who's paying you, you lean bollocks? But then, I had to endure the movement. Movement? Not for me bowels. No, you see, it was me old friend. Yep, it was the fucking internet, sure. Think I meant me manager, porno Pat? He took to the hills, first stank of bloodery. I began with Oksana from Omsk. Me first ever streamed live rider. She got sick with the flu. Then the cold The Panamanians are copying the ice and it's fierce distracting, like, we're trying to do a show here. <laughs> then the cold sores came, and then I came on the cold sores, and you know yourself. Ugh. End up with her on the social, complaining to other women's about the shock diagnosis, and they should all check up their doctors and not work with me, as I'd given her the AIDS. He's given her the AIDS! <laughs> ah, then came the roars. They had all bailed in and shook the planet with their online hashtag, Me Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that one, Peter. Yeah, me too. Started by Tarana Bork, the sister of old Harry Bruiser and bald Butch Bork of Jurassic Borks. She thought she was my girlfriend. She was obsessed. Huh? She snuck onto the set of Rumpel's Split Skin, and that's where she saw me bevelizing little Oksana from Omsk. Ah, now I roared. Tarana saw us. Now she'll tell the brothers, and there'll be knuckles to the jaw. Tarana saw us, all right. Told the boys and bruiser, got to start the campaign, that I gave it to her without asking. I never. Pay her's innocent. But that wasn't all of it. No? I was back in 16 when I learned of me riddlerment. I couldn't tell anyone, not even yous. That's why I never wrote in. Back in court, the assistant state prosecutor, Karina Kendi, spat that I should be given the death sentence. Ah, here. That Karina one. One look at her, and you know she'd been starved a cock. But then came Oksana up to the stand. She's so small you couldn't see her, but she roared to the jury that she took me 457 times since 2015. And now has the full-blown AIDS and the whole lot. Martin Mac's wife, however, she only came out to make a show of herself and pissed Martin off by saying she'd received fallacious harm to her mouth when I snuck it in her quietly at Halloween. On cross-examinations, she said she became ill after Peter, but admitted it might have been the curry. Martin had cooked a havening and had made a fair tour the whole offer. She was dismissed as being a waster. But it was getting too much for me, lads. The retrovirals were kicking in when Fred started to spell out the cans and cannots of getting riddled. What? Never mind you can't get from sucking horn, but you can't pass it on from saliva, sweating or piss. It was okay to touch the toilet seat too. That's what I always tell you. I'm cautious. You hover. <laughs> but then came the sickner. I sat forlornly in the dock as Bonnie Nidulica silenced the court. The Wicklow County Court sentences Peter, an AIDS positive Avondale man, to 45 years in prison. <gasps> that was it. Legs buckled. Bounced the forehead off the desk. 
Fred dropped the head as guards dragged me out to the paddy wagon. Oh, Peter! So lads, here's I sit and Mountjoy Prison, writing to you with only my little Robert's three-band portable radio for company. Please wipe away the tears for poor Peter. He did it to himself, but lads, please play me some nothing more, cause that's all there fucking is. <laughs> Thanks for all the laughs, and don't give up on me yet. Yours, Peter, Mountjoy Prison in the Dublin Sevens. Hard to listen to that. Grueling stuff! A tough one, Peter, but you know... It's a hard dose of reality to get so early in the, in the show! But the way I see it, Peter, if you dip the wick, you have to pay for the oil. This is for you! Nothing more!
Great song to play there when you're driving home from work. It's Let Him Burn from Nothing More. Now, next, oh. Oh, what the hell was oh, that? Yeah. Was it a ball hitting off the window? <laughs> That's about as accurate as Harry Kane has been tonight. Let him burn. Burn, burn. From the new burn, album, burn. The Stories We Tell Ourselves. The stories you tell yourself about yourself. The ten testicle Texans attack ferociously with car crash riffage yes. and EDM stop a start a metal. Stop a start. Burn, Johnny. Burn, burn, burn. Burnley. Now, sadly, we are contractually obliged to play the next track. It's the official song of the 2018 World Cup in Russia. It's We Are In The Game by Polina Gargarina, Igor Creed, and DJ Smash. Love it! You're playing a kind of gagarina. They gave it to us on the single was handy. Did you break it, Tony? I didn't break it. You broke it. I was going to give it away later. Okay, let's have another crazy correspondence from our listeners. And this one begins. Dear Friday Noisemakers, As I camp for the night, I write this in the hope that it gets to you. Something incredible has happened. My name is Bertie Gock. I'm 63 now. I like to wander in the fields and the woods, enjoying the sunlight and the flowers and the songs of birds. I used to have a momentum. That stops when you get older. I used to chase young Linda Jones around here, but she never gave in. And like a coiled up spring, I sort of just... Unwound. Anyway, sometimes Desi hires me to take care of his sheep out here in Clara Vale. Every morning, I drive a flock of ewes out around the newborn chemical factory up the hill. While they browse upon the grass, I wander around the groves and glens, or go to sleep on the sunny slopes of old Motson's Rock. Motson's Rock! In the evenings, I get the sheep together and drive them slowly back to the village. So what else is there? One morning up in the pasture, as the sun glinted off the factory windows above, I missed the prize you of the flock. I hunted for her among the rocks. I called to the top of the hill, where I could see all over the county for acres, but she was gone. I was in a panic, but near dusk, I was jolted upon rounding up the flock to see the lost you coming up along the noisy brook, past the corner of an old broken wall. Thank fuck. She said Asian born bastard. She wouldn't be the first woman to say that. Maybe not over a tannoy. <laughs> Who is that girl? Tank folk. I took a look. Everyone said it was part of the old castle ruins. But then I saw, just behind a hawthorn bush, there was a hole large enough for a you or even a man on all fours to squeeze through. So you know what? That's just what I did. You went into it. As I popped my head out of the other side and dragged myself up, I heard the stamping of heavy feet. As I looked around, an iron door at the side of the stone wall suddenly opened and a little fellow with a big head and saucer eyes appeared. Eh, how are you doing? I said. The little man made no answer, looked at me funny and beckoned me in. I was curious, so that's just what I did. Up a long flight of stairs, I was filled with a sense that something was happening but my legs were weak and I was near out of breath when I felt the warm evening sun on my cheeks. I had entered 
but was a large rock-walled courtyard. Near one end were 12 men in white designer suits playing bowls. As the bowls rolled over the lawn, they made a noise like thunder rumbling across the dale. They had ID tags, but I couldn't make out the names. One turned and laid their eyes on me. I quivered. They whispered. The tallest one approached. Where behind I glimpsed what looked like a dentist's chair. Hello, I'm Michael Miley. Won't you sit down here and join us? His saggy arm sleeve motioned me to move. I entered among the circle, and with a further prompt, sat down in the dentist's chair. Michael Miley leaned over to me and said softly, Do you want to be young again? I was lost for words. I mean, of course, to be young. But then it was all just depression, injections, and that long-gone sex you try to recall as you spend your later years beating a dead frog before opening the fridge. <laughs> Michael Miley... Is that our biography being read out? <laughs> Michael Miley smiled and said it normally costs 8,000 euro to join the trial. What trial, I asked. Project Youngblood, he said, leering in. <gasps> My eyes flitted around. I saw a pitcher of beer and 12 golden goblets on the table at the end of the lawn. I was very thirsty. Michael clicked his fingers and another of the 12 men fetched me a drink as Michael told me he would give me an infusion of blood plasma from donors aged 16 to 25. No way. Would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Easy, quick answer. No hesitation. I grabbed the pitcher and drank straight out of it. The notion of me filling my veins with the blood of young felt like I was some vampire, but Miley said it was the latest tool in the quest to disrupt death. Another white suit connected me up to an IV drip and said I'd be infused with two litres of plasma left over from young people who have donated to blood centres. Michael and Miley leaned in over my face. You'll see instant results, he said. Another shouted, no cancer. Another, no Alzheimer's, no cholesterol. Michael squeezed my bag and grinned. <laughs> You'll just have more energy. With that, my tongue loosened. I fell gently over to one side and went to sleep. When I woke, I found myself lying on old Motson's rock. I sat up and looked around. It was the same rock where I'd slept a hundred times. There were the same hills among which I had so often wandered. And there was the same noisy brook along which I'd walked a thousand times with much delight. Look at your man Deli Alley. He's not even doing anything. Do something, will you? Sorry, Agent. You just watch the football there. I'll, I'll, I'll do the work. Then I noticed Sorry, my, my ripped corduroys. The trees and shrubs seem strange. You're not wearing corduroys, you're wearing little shorts. Yep, above the knee as well. Fucking Russian flag. Very trendy, I yeah. am. These trees and shrubs seem strange. They were much larger than when I had seen them before, and there were many new ones that I did not remember. I looked up for Desi's sheep, but they were nowhere in sight. Oh no, what's going on here? I started to seek them out, but I was surprised to see that all the well-known paths were overgrown with tall grass. Strange Bertie, I muttered and decided to go back to Clara and see if the beasts were there. So that's just what I did. My legs were so strong now that walking was an easy task. I pounded along freely, wondering why the rheumatism didn't trouble me. I came to a ridge from where I saw the village spread out before me at the bottom of the valley. The same pretty village of Clara. I hurried in along the main road, hoping to find Desi's flock there. But not a sheep could I see. On entering Clara, I met a number of folk, but they were all strangers. The women and children stood in their doorways and stared at me as I passed. I noticed that some of them stroked their chins and laughed. Without thinking, I put my hand on my own chin. But what? I found that I now had a beard more than a foot long. <gasps> I hear Bertie. Am I mad? Has the world all gone mad too? Where am I? There was the church in the long street I knew so well, and towering above them was the great chemical factory of Newborn, looking just as it did earlier in the day. I came to my own house, but it was greatly changed. The roof was beginning to fall in the doors off its hinges, rooms empty and bare. A strange accented man in the next dooryard looked over the fence and told me to FUCK OFF! 
Soon, a crowd of idlers and women surrounded me. They were laughing at my fresh yet bearded face and tattered corduroys. A woman asked me what I wanted here. I don't know what I want, I said. I came here to find Desi's sheep, and I find everything and every day, everybody, I said- Everybody! Everybody! Ah! I don't know what burn, I want. Burn! 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 Stop it! I came here to find Desi's sheep, and find everything and everybody is lost. Where is Desi? The crowd stared back. My biceps flexed. An old woman who had hobbled across the street to look at me spoke. Desi! Janie! Mac! Why Desi's been lying for nearly 17 years in a grave he'll never leave! My heart sank, but I think I recognised this woman. Without hesitance I shouted, Does anybody know Bertie Gock, the old shepherd? Silence. No one around me knew my name. But the old woman filled with tears and said, That's... It's now 20 years since... Holy God, Bertie Gock's flock came home without him one evening. The village searched night and day, but could not find him. What? I was simply astounded. I looked down and saw my leg muscles pump as my mind flitted rapidly through memory. The old woman came close to me and put her armour on mine. The evening sun glinted off the newborn factory windows and reflected upon my bearded face. I looked up. I saw a distant silhouette of a man and the sound of bowls rumbling across the sky. The woman's touch turned to a rub on my tightened forearm as if to wake me. And that's when it hit me. It was her. She was Linda Jones. My Linda Jones. The girl of my youth. I quickly took her hand and excitedly asked her how old she was. 83, she answered with a tender smile. I knew it. You are Linda. Yes. Yes, I am. How do you know my... Before she could finish, I lifted her into my arms, much to her shock. Linda, I said. Linda, we have to climb that mountain to the... Freaking me out, that is freaking me out. Linda, I said, we have to climb that mountain to the newborn chemical factory. It was the silver bullet. You'll feel better, sleep better, live better. You'll, you'll be young again. We just need to find Michael Miley and the men in white suits bowling in that courtyard. She begged to be put down. No, you must come with me. She screamed as I thrust her over my shoulder and took a large leap to the foot of the slope as dusk descended. I roared. She bucked and dribbled. I jumped up the rocks with ease. Next boulder, next crevice, next step, no problem. This was going to work as I escaped to Linda hanging off me that we must find Michael Miley. He was our only hope. So, as we camp for the night, I wish again this letter finds its way to you and I have not missed out on any part of recounting this adventure. Godspeed, Adrian and Tony. Yours, Bertie Gock. Reborn, Clara Vale in Wicklow. Uh, I reckon there could be a twist in this. Everything may not be what it seems. But we'll have to wait until Bertie Gock communicates again, if he ever does. Eternal youth, though! Uh, he, yeah, he, he's immortal now. You so. just have to meet Miley. Miley, he's our only hope. You're my only hope, Michael Miley. My only hope. What'd you go, boss? I didn't say that. <laughs> Is that what Princess Leia did? <laughs> Big boss, I not Taking the yoke and the Arto. Star Wars! Uh, Coming up later with Professor Critic. Yes! Speaking of professors, they are intelligent people and they may partake in intelligent worship. Fu Manchu! <laughs>
Bow down to the ones who create. That's it. That was Fu Manchu doing some intelligent worship. Sorry to interrupt, darling, but I think the baby's crying. Do you think you could? No, no, I'm listening to the Brady Rock Show. Hey, Aiden, just look, look. Two yeah. rows, two rows down there. Yeah. You see? Is, is Who am I looking at? Shearer. Alan oh, Shearer. You see him there, yeah? Shine off his baldy head. Look. Yeah. Shearer. Does he not look like Fu Manchu? Little bit. If he grew the tattoo, fucking ringer. I know what Shearer's thinking now. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming Well, after they scored those goals there, yeah? Are they going to do it like? Well, they're looking good now, but in, in fairness, they are playing Panama. It's not like the sides of old have no... Uh, yeah, listen, how can Panama have, have even a football team? They're only a song by Van Halen. Well, they, they got to the World Cup, so they must be half decent. Okay, you're listening to the Friday Rock Show, and we're broadcasting live from the World Cup 2018. We're, in fact, in Sochi. In, in the Fist Stadium. And there's actually a match going on as we speak. But while we're out here in Russia, I believe everybody back home is baking in the heat. Which brings me to the next letter. Who's it from? Uh, the Weatherman. Ah, lads, the hate at the moment would only kill you. I'm baking. As I sat here and thought about this summer we're having, which is one of the hottest on record, I decided to write a letter to you lads. I know everything you guys do is recorded forever, so this is a little digital snapshot, frozen in time of the summer of 2018. It's so hot at the moment that the sweat's rolling down the inside of me leg. It's about 30 degrees in this stadium, <laughs> but now you're dressed in the right gear. You tugged out. I didn't think you meant that literally. <laughs> I've got the leather trousers on. They're welded to me. I'm a full kit wanker. The chickenses are laying fried eggs, and it goes on and on. It seems to have gone on for eternity. The first week was the worst. I got sunburned and couldn't sleep at night with the pain. I went to the doctor and he prescribed me with Viagra. What? I told him my Mickey is in fine working order. He told me he knew that, but it would keep the sheets off of me. <laughs> <laughs> but the sleepless nights have not gotten any better. Tossing and turning in the suffocating heat. If I leave the windows open, it's worse. I awaken to a cacophony of cantankerous crows at half five in the morning, cawing. In anger, I get up and throw the full contents of my chamber pot out of the window at them. But it's futile, and by that point, I'm wide awake. They're just belittling you. Sneering at you. Then I set off to work, irritable and grumpy to the office. Of course, they can't even get the air conditioning right there. <laughs> yeah, for long parts of the day, it's blowing blasts of arctic air at you. I bring a jacket every day to work, which I take off to go outside and go home. When I sit on the jacks, I get off with a wet arse uh, because of all the condensation. I know how that feels. <laughs> That's because the other lads have pissed on the seat before me. <laughs> I never check it like you. 
I just slapped the arse down because I need to go. Ah, sick. Now, it might sound like a moaning, but I do appreciate the weather that we're having and how rare it is. The most recent one I can remember like this was in 1995. I was working for a local radio station in the city centre and I would march to work every day in the sunshine listening to 98FM playing Bobby Brown's to play that game on my earphones. The soundtrack to another sweltering day in the city. Before 1995, summers as a child seemed to go on forever. They all seemed hotter and sunnier than they are now. On your BMX, fields yellow as the grass dried up in the sun. Images of blue skies and sunburn from trips to the beach with your parents are recalled. The joy at the sound of the ice cream van. The disappointment when your mum tells you there's a loop-de-loop in the fridge. Ah, ah, Jesus. The memories, hazy like the horizons on a hot summer's day. 1984, perhaps? Panama! (laughs) This year, too, we will look back on in nostalgia those weeks of glorious sun, golden days and nights of World Cup football, feeling like Ibiza in your backyard. We will go into June next year clinging to this memory in the hope as we greet another grey, overcast day. So we'll go ahead and enjoy it now, despite my scaldy balls and burnt neck and savour it all. But you know, lads, I wouldn't mind a bit of rain to help my lawn, like, and it would just cool me down just for a day or a night. It would be nice. I think I've had enough of this now. I wasn't made for this type of weather. Yours, the weatherman. If he's the weatherman, how can he not be made for the weather? Jeez, I am sweating now, I have to say, but that's because... <laughs> We're in Saucy and it is 30 degrees. We're stuck up in the back of the rafters here and there's 38,000 people expirating all over us. We're locked in a room with hot equipment. Somewhere much closer than we'd like. Fucking Jen Beglin over there. No aircon. It's, uh, it's a new experience for me, so... But you, listener, you love it. Well, I'll persevere for the sake of my art and continue with tonight's Friday Rock Show. So, up next, we have the White Wizard. And this one's called Pretty May. Yes, May was pretty, but June was fucking hot. And July, hotter. Global explosion. Pretty May took a needle and she blew away. Took the shots, not the pain, to a
White wizard, look out! <gasps> Casting his shadow, weaving his spell, funny clothes, tinkling his bell. <laughs> With more lineups than Lord of the Rings, 45-year-old main magician and original member John Leon has waved his last wand. Waved the last wand, yes. Amid scandals of missing money, missing bags, and missing singers sitting in pubs refusing to perform, <laughs> White Wizard has gone up like a rocket and ejaculated into space. For a misty morning, as the wizard walks by, we played you Pretty May from their last ever album, Infernal Overdrive. They're sad! Now guys, we're going to play the official mascot of Russia World Cup 2018. What's his name, AG? Zabivaka. <laughs> you were learning what Chris was telling you earlier. <laughs> you speak Russian now, do you? Yeah. Spaziva. Yeah. Spaziva. So here's the official ID mascot, Russia World Cup 2018. Don't build it up, it's shit. Come on, say it. Встречайте Волка. Он мал, да удал. Нет никого быстрее. Напористе и проворнее Волка с мечом. Brilliant. Официальный талисман чемпионата мира по футболу FIFA 2018. Great stuff there. That made a big difference to the entire show. That did. Okay, this is what you've been waiting for: the trailer for the new ATRS. ATRS 2. Starring us. We're not hugging the airwaves. Tonight, in the windy wild west of Ireland. I'm not sure about it. Famous DJ Adrian Byrne. Yes! And producer Tony Wilson. Of the Friday Rock Show. Our Bear Grylls as guests tonight for a survival test. Excuse me, Bear. You actually want us to go across that thing on a rope? Grab onto Bear's rope, tight. Get the backpack. Get the knife. Get your own fucking knife. Uh oh. Please. What's happening? Boy, go away. Go away. Pull! Pull it! Stop cutting my fucking strap! <laughs> Sorry, I did! Oh, Jesus! I love the ground. This is like the Pope. Ireland! I love you! This 
is an Irish adventure. James Testicles! Full of maggots! Ah, they are! A waterfall! Look up at me! Look up! You're coming to me! Can't handle it! His face is turning green. <laughs> He's got a horn in a second. Look, take over. <laughs> this take was the over. best entertainment of the day. Ciao. The Adrian and Tony radio show. Get me out of here. Ciao. What are you doing, Bear? It's late. I have to go to bed. I have to go to bed. Someone keeps on playing that. Well, that was the best piece of music we played on the show all night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Coming to a cinema near you this in the summer of 1984. ATRS 2. And that's the story of the time me and Tony met Bear Grylls. Yeah, I don't like to talk about it personally, but... I'm getting messages from a, from a number, but they're not on my phone. Yeah, go. no, there's... Adrian, I need to see you. There's a few calls into the studio and every time I pick up, the line's silent. Strange, just yeah. uh, They hang up and there's that person leaving messages for you on the tannoy, calling you a bastard. Probably just an enthusiastic fan. I'm used to those. No worries, Tony. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for another... Jim Beglin just bought the burgers. <laughs> Delighted. Your He's not fast enough, though. He needs to pick up the speed with that leg. It's time for a... Letter! Here in Saki, in the World Cup, down in the south. How are you? Baldy! It's cartoon time again, lads. Nearly tore the ring off myself organising the festival last year. But success drives me on to do it once more. We'll be steering clear of women, though. Look at the news, sir. It's always about their boxes and, and what's allowed to be putting or taken out of them. <laughs> Main reason, though, was after I met Mackie at the end of me great cartoon festival last year. Remember Mackie, don't you? I remember Mackie. Giggling taekwondo freak. Went to choke chickens for a living in a meat factory. Hopped over Porsche Turbo dressed in a trench coat and avoided him up to his camp in Lara. I hadn't seen him in years and now here he was. All shoulders and muscles. And he had a, a camp. A camp? He said he knew I worked like a slave for the cartoons. So uh, he offered me a spot to recharge the engine. Mackie even knew me opinion on females. Had soured after Janie, Keela and Janice. Ah, he giggled. It's a men-only mentorship group. It'll just be a sausage party, so you like it. Ha, <laughs> Bali likes the sausage parties, all right. <laughs> Boy, he said I wasn't one of them. Mackie giggled again and said there would only be one woman there. One woman? And that she'd like to meet me. You'll have time for her, he said. And he had to be a flyer. V-I-X-N, it stated. An evening of meeting cool, like-minded artists and chatting about life, authenticity and the awesome human potential. Mackie said there'd be a rake of lads I knew up there and even some of the festival cartoonists were up for it. He hopped in a turbo, flung open the passenger door and I jumped in. We revved up around the square, did a donut and accelerated up Brewery Lane. Being in the car brought back days with fashion. Me and Desi Nolan turned down the N11 in the 96 Hyundai Coupe to Kildrani Disco. Mackie said he was second in command at the Lara headquarters of Vixen and therefore instrumental in managing new recruits for leader Claudia Ranieri. Claudia Ranieri? Of Vixen! Something familiar about that name. Hmm. I think I heard of her. Didn't she have a workshop down the Wicklow Enterprise Centre? 
As we drove past the fun park, he told me that lads come to them as part of a search for self-enlightenment. You know, once they hit middle age and their youth and vigour has left them, they want to feel like men again. We said I didn't know, but go on anyway, sure. Mackie said that Vixen was founded as a self-help organisation, but basically soon bent in to fit the personality of Ranieri. She was formidable. She was a child prodigy who had held the 1989 Guinness World Record for highest IQ, and who followers reverentially called Bitch Hole. Bitch Hole? He giggled. But she's great, really. I wasn't sure how, at this juncture, whether I wanted to meet a bitch hole. All I wanted to do was loosen the belt, work on my sketches, and get the head straight. That's it, after the hard festival that you had, Baldy. Mackie flicked into the fifth, and we bounced around corners towards Lara. Don't be a slave to yourself, he said. Bend life to your will. Do as you like, he laughed. The turbo sped up even more as sundown hurried in over the Wicklow Mountains. Hurry up, sundown, till the fiction comes. Ranieri's main goal, Mackie said, reefing the stick, was to teach men about the need for women to have multiple sexual partners, oh. and the need for men to be monogamous. Huh? At this point, I felt a little uncomfortable about meeting this woman. The poor skidded and turned in through a large stone pillars up a driveway. A big old square townhouse came into view as we swung up to the entrance to see a giant woman in a pink jumpsuit sat at a wooden table placed in the middle of the gravel. Engine off, Mackie giggled and jumped out. I sat and looked out the window, a little lost, as the muffled conversation ended in smiles and Mackie shouted at me to come on. I got out and walked over to the table. There was tattoo equipment on it. Tattoo? Mackie, yeah, tattoo. Mackie introduced me to the woman. She stood up and towered over me, two metres at least. This was Claudia Ranieri. Long red hair, piercing grey eyes. She had a strong assertive grip and the voice to go with it. She was old, worn, hard, but I couldn't keep my eyes off her. She asked if I ever got a tattoo before. I said no, but Bobby Blitz from Overkill has them, so fuck it, you only live once. Claudia sternly grabbed my hips, turned me sideways, wrenched down my denims and bent me over the table. Oh no, Bosley! No, no, I shouted. The upper arm will do, not me arse. I was told I had a tattoo to mark me entry into what I was told was a secret brotherhood. <gasps> Mackie put on a surgical mask, his eyes still giggling. <laughs> then a flash, a grind, as my left arse cheek was wet wiped. <laughs> then came the searing, blinding pain, the smell of flesh. This was no tattoo. I was being fucking branded like a cow with a cauterizing iron. Sped like daddy's old chip shop as the smoke rose. <laughs> Mackie put his foot on my spine, shouting at me to feel the pain and think of your master. I wanted to puke. I now had a massive scar on me hole bearing CR. Claudia Ranieri. Oh no, Baldy! Mackie and Claudia lifted me coughing and spitting clean off the ground and carried me around the back of the house, past the bushes, to a lawn at the rear of the house, bathed in spotlights, surrounded by a PA system. Like something out of Guantanamo Bay. A heap of lads kneeling in chains, three rows of five pink jumpsuits, rocking back and forth to Beyonce's Crazy in Love. I was thrown in beside the rest. There was Sean Byrne, Desi Nolan, Don, Rooster, Bop, Kinch, Yellowhammer. I wonder why I saw none of them at the cartoon festival. They were either being forced by Mackie to strip out their jumpsuits, pose naked for close-up cock photos. This was the evening of meeting cool, like-minded artists chatting about life. What the fuck was going to happen next? Well, I'll tell you later, lads. It's sickening enough just to remember it all. Please play some five-finger death punch till I lie down. Yours, Baldy, Ratchley, Main Street. Self-enlightenment! Doesn't sound like a place I'd like to visit for self-enlightenment, does it, Tony? Well, you know, you're a fan of the strong, hard women, aren't you? You like them a bit over 40, too. Think that, that takes it over the line there, though. <laughs> you don't like the pink jumpsuits. And speaking of over the line, there's been a lot of use of VAR technology at World Cup 2018. At the moment, Tony is watching the match. What's the update? Well, currently England are 3-0 up. 
Harry Kane scored another free kick there and uh, all I keep on seeing is Deli Alley falling over it's got some big blue strap on his hip are you coming back to work now? yeah <laughs> to play five figure death punch yay at least we're not going to extra time
Wash it all away. The US mainstream rock number one by 13 year old Five Finger Death Punch from the 2015 album Got Your Six. That's a bit old. The Five Fingers, led by Ivan Moody, have a new album out now. But this was better than anything on it. Yeah. That's cause after a decade of drunkenness, Big Ivan is sober now. You can't yes. do that. He's washed it all away. The talent too. Yeah. Just remember kids, in rock you need to get off your heads to come up with the good stuff. And uh, this is the Friday Rock Show you're listening to, and we are out in Russia, broadcasting live from the World Cup 2018. 2018! So far, you've missed lots of letters, lots of tracks, but there's still... And three goals from England! And three goals from England, but there's still more to come, so stay tuned. Kicking off now with... Something that Asian has been looking forward to the whole show! Yep, Professor Critic taking on The Last Jedi. Switch on the learning channel, people. Damage to you bastards. Professor Keith. Way back in 1983, I sat in the cinema watching Return of the Jedi. I was kind of late to the party. Too young for A New Hope in 77. I came on board in time for The Empire Strikes Back. Now, go, my son. I was hooked for life. And at the end of the Return of the Jedi showing, a man behind me turned around to his son and said, Shall I see it now? <coughs> Darth Vader's dead. I would never, ever see any further adventures of Luke Skywalker up on the big screen. But no, I remembered reading George Lucas. He'd once said in an interview that there was going to be nine parts. Nine. But then, decade that was the 80s came to an end and the barren years of the 90s began. I finally began to accept that was the end of the Star Wars saga. Then, In 1997, it was announced the special editions of the Star Wars trilogy were coming to the cinema with additional modern CGI special effects. Even one new scene with the Falcon landing on Bespin. It was something to cherish. But then, after 16 years and and what felt like a lifetime, we finally got a brand new Star Wars movie, Episode 1. The Phantom Menace! Misa thanks! But my problem was, I didn't want to look back! I move for a vote of no confidence. I wanted to see what happened next! How did Han, Luke and Leia fare after the Battle of Endor? Back in late 2014, Disney had bought Lucasfilm. From Walt Disney Productions. And Episode 7 will be out in less than two years! So, we got The Force Awakens. And now, fast forward a couple of years, finally, I would get to see Luke Skywalker after 34 years. My childhood hero coming out of exile and taking on the evil of the New Order. Yes! But what the fuck like? Luke was a miserable old bollocks, hiding away on a remote planet, waiting to die. Chucking his lightsaber off the side of a mountain in pure ignorance. I came to this island to die. 
time for the Jedi to end. All those years in between, I'd imagined he'd led and taught a new generation of Jedi to uphold the laws of the galaxy in a new age of peace and prosperity. But no! He was a complete failure! I'm sorry. He tried to start a new Jedi Order, alright, but after a cheese sandwich fuel dream of his nephew's future evil, he decided to go and kill him! The same lad who couldn't kill his own father, despite his father committing actual atrocities and torturing his mates and his sister. So, Luke goes to try and kill him, and it's a good excuse then for his nephew to go for the wicked it and kill the rest of Luke's pupils. Luke just cries like a baby, heads off to mope around and feels sorry for himself. Not just satisfied in living like a homeless person in a dirty, shitty shack, he sets out every day to squeeze blue milk from the floppy tits of a giant fat alien seal! Did I really need to see him gulp it down followed by a satisfied ah with blue milk running down his face? No! Then the young shiny female face of the new inclusive Star Wars franchise decides to have a go at the former hope of the galaxy, the destroyer of the first Death Star, the vanquisher of Vader, and puts him down on his arse! So then she fucks off with Luke refusing to help anybody. What was the point of all that then? Then Yoda appears and tries to talk some sense into him. Well, why is he talking stupid like he did in The Empire Strikes Back? Sure, we all know he was only pretending to test Luke. But no, apparently his real personality is the personality of a mischievous goblin. Who's your today now, bitch? Finally, Luke is swinging in like a hero in the final scenes. At last, he's tidied himself up a bit, gone to the barbers. And look, he's wielding the lightsaber at last! Yes, this is what we want. Facing down Kylo Ren's new order all on his own. Here we go! Oh no! Then I think to myself, what happened in the last movie? This is Disney. Fuck, Kylo's gonna kill another one. He can use the force. Maybe he can turn all those new order at-hats on each other. Blow up all their explosives with his mind. Who knows what kind of cool shit he's mastered in the last 34 years. No, Kylo's just gonna blow him to shit. Fuck's sake. Wait, he's still there. Yay, go for shield. Now we're gonna see it, mano a mano. When Kylo and Luke duel, not a lightsaber sparks off another. In fact, not one in the entirety of this Star Wars movie. Luke weaves and ducks Matrix style. Because we find out he's not even really there. He's Skyping it in. He's probably annoyed Kylo a bit though, huh? No, I'd say, because Luke has just carked it from the exhaustion of force projecting himself across the galaxy. I'm sorry. Or maybe he's just been fucking poisoned by some of that dodgy blue milk he was drinking. So do you know what? If that's what's 34 years ahead, lame arse fake fights, I would have been happy to leave it all in 1983 with Luke on Endor gazing across the campfire at Yoda, Ben and Anakin, now at one with the Force. The Star Wars fanfare blasts out and I leave the cinema happy! Rian Johnson may call me a man baby, hell people might even like this movie. I think if you're emotionally invested in Star Wars since the beginning, you cannot like this movie. Star Wars The Last Jedi, one star. Hashtag, not my Star Wars. That was a shocker. Professor Critic there. Professor Critic is normally hard and, and critical and he's normally pulling Bon Jovi to bits. But I felt that this one, there was an emotional core to it. I felt like he was really upset. My, my, kinda, my heart bleeds for him for 
the death of his, of his childhood dreams and hopes. <laughs> How are you doing? Chicken for Hiya! Alright, Jesus! It's the <laughs> Peace be with you, lads. I know who this is! Last time I spoke, I was alone in the world, mocked and excluded for being a religious fanatic. I believe my lord had forsaken me until the kindness of an old woman came to me like a candle in the darkness. What's happened, Jagger? Since then, I've cut myself off from anyone who ever mattered to me in the world and have lived a monastic existence, roaming the hills of Green Anne by day and retiring to the shelter of my rented room by night. <laughs> Late one night, following prayers and meditation, I allowed myself the comfort of a spliff as I sat down in front of the TV. As marijuana is one of God's plants, the Lord put us here for us to enjoy. I rolled up a fat one and settled down. After a few tokes, I must have passed out for a bit on the couch, but woke up to a startling announcement. What's that? The government was legalising the crime of murder for one night in an order to tackle the rising population in crime. Commencing at the siren, any and all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 continuous hours. All I could do was relight the joint and inhale once again to calm my nerves. For the second time, I must have went back to sleep to be awoken by the sound of warning klaxons. <laughs> had begun already. I fell off my sofa and scrambled around my keys to lock the place up. This wasn't right. My own government condoning murder. I reached for the antidepressants the doctor had prescribed me. Panic started to grip me. This was against everything that was good and holy. Surely Lucifer had taken control of our state. What were they saying on the TV? The words seemed like they were underwater. <gasps> the scourge was coming. Calm wave rushed over me. Good. The antidepressants were taking effect. People were screaming and shouting, and shots were being fired on the TV. Spitting! 24-hour news, one of the sicknesses of the modern age. Alright! And for those releasing the beast, a successful cleanse. Good luck. But wait, as I thought about, this could be used for good. Without facing any punishment for my actions, I could kill those who deserved it. The sinners. The unholy. Ah, dagger! Do God's work and remove the bad. What are you saying? I felt dizzy. No, I won't slip into the welcoming blackness. No, don't! My legs were like jelly, but I used all of my strength to get to my wardrobe. And from the bottom, I took out some appropriate attire for the mission at hand and headed out into the night. My brother would come down to the garage after being disturbed by noises there. What greeted him? <laughs> it must have been the stuff of nightmares. A flash of lightning illuminated the garage. <laughs> all he could see was my silhouette. The outline of a man wearing a GAA hurling helmet and a long dark trench coat. The glint of a silver crucifix and a hurley raised in his hand. My brother went for the light switch, but before he could reach it, a hammer flew towards his hand. Who are you? What are you doing in my shed? I'm the Scourge! Lobbing an empty oil can at him, he ducked and ran towards his car. I threw everything I could lying around the garage at him. You have led a life of decadence, I said to him in judgement. Left home to suck the tit of the city banks which made you wealthy and soft to build your material empire. Left the rest of us here. You have never suffered or wanted like me. Now you will. You will know what it's like at the very end. Keep the noise down, Jagger. The kids are asleep upstairs. I'm not Jagger. I'm the Scourge. <laughs> My brother opened his car with the keys on the remote. It was an American car, built like a tank, which he'd bought for himself in his midlife crisis. He dived in and locked the door. What's going on, Jagger? I'm worried for you! <laughs> I tried hitting it with lump hammers, mallets and spanners, but I could not get into it. I jumped on the bonnet and went for the windscreen. 
He fired the car up and drove it out the garage door, propelling me 40 yards into the forest. How much time had passed before I came to? One hour? Two hours? I lay in the damp undergrowth, unable to move lads. Head spinning, rain spitting on me face. But I couldn't stop now. I took a pre-roll joint out of my top pocket, sparked it up and drew deep on it. It filled my lungs, numbing my pain, numbing my body. I ran into the woods. There were more sinners to be scourged. We stood along outside Alberto's house, looking at the shadows which seemed to be moving everywhere. My eyesight were blurry and it was dark. They were like demons scurrying up the walls. Maybe the impact of the car had given me concussion, but I wasn't sure. There was music coming from the upstairs bedroom, so I scaled the drain pipe. Alberto stood alone behind his DJ decks, playing music, dancing around and drinking his head off. Yes, he was a sinner living the party lifestyle, with no responsibilities to anyone but himself. <laughs> but what bothered me was that time I used to be in the band Big Dwarf. He would always be upstaging me, looking to be the centre of attention, stroking his ego. It was my band, mine. I wanted to strangle a bug-eyed fucker. I crashed in through the window, and the fag dropped from Alberto's mouth. I'm the scourge. I took a swipe at him, and with my hurly stick, broke it in two halves across his head. Alberto staggered backwards, gave his head a wobble, and started throwing CDs at me like frisbees. I ducked and weaved out of their way, and grabbed a table knife, left discarded by a half-eaten cheese sandwich. To my surprise, he grabbed one of his bongos and smashed it across my head. With that, I plunged down on him with the knife, but he blocked it with the second bongo and ran. The knife was embedded in the bongo. Dazed and leaning against the wall for support, I went after him, but he was gone. He's got mental! <laughs> no more, I thought to myself. The next one would not escape the scourge. We knew who it would be too. I went in the direction of my ex-girlfriends, the one who had stolen my children. It's never a good idea. <laughs> she was married to a rich man and lived in a small gated community. That would not stop the scourge. The rain was getting heavier and I could hear the wail of distant sirens as I scaled the wall. On the other side I could see their large white detached house. I broke in through the back door and passed through the kitchen and grabbed a knife. As I entered the bedroom in the half light I saw a picture all too familiar to me from my past. My ex astroid the husband, her giant twin zeppelins of boobs wobbling up and down. In the name of the Lord. <coughs> A scourge. As I lunged forward, knife raised, my ex turned towards me, momentarily distracting me with her pendulous boobs. It was enough time for her husband to pull a baseball bat from under the bed and take the legs clear from under me. As I lay on Jack the down. <laughs> as I lay on the ground, he started to crack the head off me. Luckily, I was wearing my GAA helmet. The helmet started to crack. I wouldn't last long, so I stabbed God, him in the it, leg. Lady. He screamed in pain and dropped the bat. I scrambled to my feet, picking up the bat, and lamped him across the head with it. The strength of the Lord ran through me, and I scourged the sinner many times with the bat until he lay lifeless and bleeding before me on the bed. Finally I'd killed. I had rid the world of a sinner. 
Again I ran, ran for the sanctuary of my home, leaving the agonised screaming and crying behind me. And that was where I woke up, hours later, on my sofa, lads. Light streaming through my window. It was the middle of the day, and my phone was buzzing. It was Oggy, me dope dealer. Oggy! How are you, Oggy, I said. Glad to hear you survived that government sanctioned scourge last night, man. Huh? He says to me. Have you been smoking already today? There was no scars last night. You've been watching too many fucked up movies when you're stoned. Oh Lord, what have I done? Did it really happen? Yours, in sin, the Jagger. Now, let me understand this. Take I might in. be Take a bit in, slow, but the Jagger mistakenly thinks there was some government sanctioned murder day yes. and he went out yes. smoking weed. Like the film. And he killed someone. Yes, think of the magnitude of this.
black when they make a darker color. If I can get my shit together, I'm gonna run away and never see any of you again. Wilson, an expensive mistake. Ah, never truer words said. <laughs> and what a coincidence. That's also the name of the song. Ah, the bowels of Chicago, back in 2001, spewed forth the band they called Fallout Boy. Officially the whitest men in rock. Just now they managed to burst out their seventh and newest album, Mania. Well done, shy boys, Pat, Pete, Joe and Andy for listening to the Friday Rock Show and knowing Tony so well to write a song about him. Fierce ignorant. Hey! Catchy too. Catchy. You like it? You like the, it? The Wilson you is, like it? What's it called now? The Wilson is catchy like. Oh yeah. I start sniffing crack when I have a bigger langer. Here's Hardbag Softbag from us. Rejoice! The weekend is here! It's so soft! Soft! Mash! Boy, they shame! Yeah! I'll drop me fine! <laughs> Cheers, lads! Show the ring! Hello, I have been a fan of the Iron Maiden. Hi, I'm 21! I'm Dazzler! Yeah! That's right! Ah, yes! Repent, all of you! Jack and Jill went up the hill! Kate Beckinsale? Oh, Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> yes! This is awesome! <laughs> Hiya, lads! All over the lesbian! Really mocks here. Babe Station. The Friday Rock Show with Adrian Byrne and Tony Wilson. Yes! Hot bag, soft bag. Who are you? Lydia! 12 inch Taylor, he introduced himself as. You got no sign! Oh Jesus, what? What is the fate of 12 inch Taylor? <laughs> We're on the battle breasts! <laughs> I wasn't finished! Keep living hard and driving fast. This was the financial. Good night! Oh shit, dear Friday Rockshow! Growly here. What's the crack? Here! I was the last time you had an interview? Had one last week. Tuesday 15th. Needed salvation, so I answered an ad for a sales rep position in the Bank of Ireland. Fuck it. Sucking the tit off the corrupt banking system. I'm going mainstream. I had no experience, which sure nobody has really. Thing was, it was late. Car broke down on Thursday the 2nd, two weeks before the interview. I got filthy as I tried to fix it on the road in the rain, before having towed it down to Alistair Webler's garage. I was down there for a while as it turned out, until I managed to escape, grab a tracksuit off a washing line and run the 4k bag on shoulder to the busy branch of Rathrum Bank of Ireland. <laughs> I was a bit wheezy when I was introduced to the three nicely dressed women. A group HR manager, a line manager and my potential boss all sat down in a row three metres away from a lonesome chair. I sat down in a dump me old dark green USA 94 sports bag beside it and managed to say hello and tried to tell them I was. I was, uh, listen, I'm at the end of my tether. They all looked a bit confused. I thought they might not understand that turn of phrase, as they were a bit younger than me. To help I started to explain the meaning of a tether. I lifted up my top to get at the tether, tying the tracksuit bottoms up. Unfortunately, it was stuck down the inside of the trousers, so I had to go down and have a good roo. Suddenly, all three started shouting and screaming, No, no, no! Chairs rattling off each other. Hi, calm down, I said. I was only looking for this, and pulled out the string into the open. This is a tether. Tether. See, my words seemed lost on the wagering. 
To make him relax, I sat back and I said I knew all about the bank. I have a count here and all, and sure they could ask me anything. The group HR manager interjected, We're the Bank of Ireland are just as eager for candidates to prove their own value to us by telling stories about themselves that are relevant to the job specifications. I nodded, not because I agreed, but because I'd been starved of sleep, so I was about to go into a coma. Luckily, the line manager, Jenny, asked if I could give her any of my star story. Oh, eh, okay, no bother, I said as I woke up, and I immediately started telling her that when I was about seven, I starred in a Hollywood film that used my house for interior and exterior shots, and got to meet the lead actor, Sam Nail. He was in Jurassic Park. Ever seen that? It's great. Fucking huge dinosaurs. But not when I was seven. They didn't have them in movies then. Only in Godzilla. Well, he was only a miniature and Japanese. You could see that, like, not like the real ones in Jurassic Park. Ah, remember? That is one big pile of shite. <laughs> But there were none in that first film I was in with Sam Nail, called the Country Girls. Heh, <laughs> Country Girls, like yourselves, right? No, but yeah, to answer your question, he was my first star story. The room lay quiet, nothing but the gradiators gurgling. I looked down to my tattered old bag. Mercifully, my potential boss, by the name of Saoirse, split the silence by saying that, no, it wasn't that type of star, the one was a star story, which she spelled out to mean, situation, task, action, result. It was an acronym, you see. I was lost and scraped a bit of muck off my shoe. She continued that the star model is a way of answering questions that start like, give me an example, with a short story. So sell what you have. Eh, sell what I have. Now we understand them. Situation, task, action, result, star. Oh, shit. This was the sales requisition after all. I thought for a moment and looked down to the dirty dark green bag and back to the women, I knew of a story. A very fresh story, in fact. One, I said that I just distracted myself from only ten minutes earlier before seeing you. One hell of a situation with such a devious task, an abominable action and an incredible result. You just won't believe it. The three of them collectively squealed in the light, pens tapping and hair fixing. I took it as the cue to begin, so I kicked off. Two weeks ago, the silver Honda Civic broke down in the rain about 4pm out past the complex there, just as it was getting dark. So I phoned Alistair Webler to come and save me. You know Alistair, that mechanic, he's some chancer. Anyway, Webler came up, told the Civic to his garage in Van La Clash. I stood there as he pushed her into the stands, but then he comes up to me face, all wide-eyed and hairy looking. He smiles and tells me to come over here with him. So we do, and ladies, you wouldn't believe it. But if I was just to describe what he showed me at that moment in his garage, I'd say that Alistair Webler's garage was a blasphemous, unthinkable place where I was assembled a universe of terror and decay to excite my jaded sick sensibilities. I paused for effect, looked up at the ladies, they stared at each other. Fucking my bulled on, I had to get out. It was a secret room Webler led me to, far, far underground. How did he dig all this, I thought, as it chilled as we descended slippery slips where huge winged demons carved in basalt vomited from wide grinning mouths and hidden pneumatic pipes belched the frightful soul upheaving stenches of an uncovered grave. An uncovered grave? <laughs> Suddenly, the HR one coughed loudly. I ignored her. They wanted a situation, didn't they? I'd give them a situation. Around the walls of this repellent chamber were cases of lifelike bodies perfectly stuffed and cured by taxidermist art. Webler, it seemed, was some mechanic of the human form. <laughs> The lady sprang up in disgust. No, I said, no, I haven't finished. I'm going to finish this story. It was the last thing I do. To so be continued. To be continued. You can find out what happens to Melody after Howling Sun.
Gabi, nog hè? Straight out of a basalt cliff. Oh. It's Howland's son. Howland's son. And they're heading westbound. But singer Tor Eric had better get the longboats ready as they set sail and trash oars from their homeland on the Norwegian west coast. That's right. Huh? It's only pure Scandi looks. American dirt rock with glacially smooth grooves ooze out of their eponymous debut. Strapped to the hood of a black 1968 Dodge Charger. Plumes of dust as it pile drives down the open road. You, the fag in the mouth, yellow fingers on the wheel, and half a shirt on. Completely scuttered. You've no idea where you are, do you? You're like Jack Kerouac. Who's Jack Kerouac? That's enough. <laughs> we'll Google him. <laughs> You're being mean again, Tony. 18, there's another call coming, but I didn't have a chance to pick it up. When you were in the toilet with Gary Lineker, it went straight to the voice message. All right, me and Gaz, we were in the jacks that time. Yeah. Was it all right that I said that? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Fine? Okay. And then Jim Beglund went in after. Don't mention Jim. Can I, I'll play the voice message for you now. It's another one you should listen to. Cool. Right? Slap her on there. Okay. What was going on there? It was scary. Well, she was scaring me. And then was that Shell? Then something happened to her. I don't know what. What was the number on it? There was no number. It was collar blocked. Definitely Michelle. She wants you waiting. No, she sounds a bit weird to me. Let's do things together. What sort of things? She sounded like she was in the bath on the phone. Who phones when they're in the bath? Yeah, having a big uh, chocolate flake. <laughs> like, you know, only, them, only the crumbliest. Them and them ads and the steam's rising all around her. The big toe was going up. <laughs> Right into the socket. Right into the tap. I'm confused. Can't okay. get it out. I think it's drummer. The drummer comes in with a big spanner. It's open up her breasts and stuff. And kind of the hand moves down. What's her groin area? Moves lower and lower. And then she starts to pleasure herself. And then the big saxophone solo comes in. <laughs> okay, we've kept you in suspense long enough. 
It's time for the second part of Melody's letter. Sure was. Staring down a tree bank of Arden women. I have to finish my star, I pleaded. Don't worry, I won't hurt it. Whatever it was about Sarah and my potential boss, the look in her eye, or the fact she was desperate to fill the right position in the team, or desperate for me to fill her in the right position, well, she convinced the other two witches, uh, I mean professionals, to sit down and hear me out. You asked for my star story, the situation, task, action and result story, so here it is. Sersha in her nice purple jacket and black tights, the nameless HR lady and the line manager, Jenny, sat back down and composed themselves. I slink back and returned their attention to the most incredible and unimaginable array of sickness ever assembled by human perversity. Alistair Webler's garage and Van Clash. This was the situation. Webler hissed a laugh and beckoned me to the wall at the rear of the garage. He told me there was no graveyard in the next field. He said it was centuries old buried in bog and forgotten history. It was only revealed to him when a great January floods three years ago. Fuck me! So that's where he got the flesh and bones. He clasped me on the shoulder and asked if I was ready for some work. I said yeah, for some stupid reason. Maybe because I thought if I did this work, the job in the car would be free. He nodded and threw two spades over the stone wall. I started to sweat now. I pulled out my tight black stripy nightly nylon and recalled that fateful night two weeks ago in the rain on Thursday 2nd. This was the task. Webler and I delved into this one lad's grave with our spades. We soon struck a substance harder than the damp mould and beheld a rotting oblong box. It was tough and thick, but so old that we finally pried it open and feasted our eyes on what it held. A skeleton! Crushed by the jaws of the thing that killed it, Webler said, staring back at me. You could feel the oxygen leave the interview room as I stared at the panel with mostly a searcher. I nodded at her and continued. You see, it wasn't the skeleton that excited Webler. What drew Webler's beady eyes was an amulet which had been worn around the sleeper's neck. It took shape of a tiny crouching winged man. The expression on its features was sick, with a freckled face and trumpet-shaped lips. I was mesmerised. But quick as it's not, Webler swift off this stained brooch and took back over the wall to the garage. After that, we lived in the garage in growing horror and fascination. We couldn't leave forced by some evil energy to stay. Doom! I shouted, the three interviewers recoiling in fear. But I knew Sorsha liked it. I know these things. <laughs> Demonic roars of laughter rolled over the windswept hills of Battle of Clash. On the fourth morning, in pangs of hunger, Alistair made a burst for fail and shop in search for food. Only ten minutes! Then I saw him, his beard billowing as he ran back a plastic bag, bulging with sweet, sweet sustenance, when suddenly Webler was seized by some maniacal, carnivorous thing and ripped the fucking dreads! I had the instinct to run to his aid, just in time to hear a whir of wings and see a vague black form. It shot away. Webler was near gone when I got to him. All he'd do was whisper, the silver amulet, that stupid fucking. Then he collapsed, an inert mass of mangled flesh. This was the action. All reason left me. I grabbed the bag and dragged Webler to the garage in a blaze of panic. I buried him by next sunrise, rolled up in a tarp and pushed him over into the grave we had dug so many nights ago. But something was different. <gasps> I was looked to look to see if the ladies were with me in the room. They all were, intently. I nodded and explained the results of my action. For I don't know why or how, but after Webler rolled into that grave, and as I attacked the last half-frozen sod with a desperation to escape the scene, I stopped and saw the rotting oblong box containing our old bony friend from the beginning. It was not now as clean and firm as we had seen at first, but swollen, with cake blood, flesh, even hair. That's when it moved. 
Usha! The cleared sentiently at me with black sockets and diamond fangs smiling twistedly at my inevitable doom! Fuck this, I said. Grabbed my bag and ran from the field screaming idiotically, falling through the hedgerow, out onto the road and leapt up to run back into the town. It was now Tuesday the 15th and I needed to get to my bank interview. I looked up for a reaction. Their eyes were wild. That's when I knew I got the job. The nameless group HR manager stood up and said, Hi, my name is Christine. Welcome to the Bank of Ireland. Star! I hissed and stuck my tongue out in delight as Sersha bit the lip off her biro and Jenny let down her hair. By the way, Christine continued, you must tell us what is in that dirty bag of yours. The ladies approached the dark green USA 94 sports bag. You want to see what's in it? Here, come closer. Heads crowded the opening. From deep within shone two pinpricks of light and then the sound of a stealthy whirling and flapping of webbed wings in circles louder and louder. With that it appeared, the sickest thing you could ever see. An angular silver demon no bigger than a thrush rose into the air and floated into the centre of the room. The women, stuck, transfixed with a deep belching cold roar, came from its offensively freckled face and bubonic lips as it flew around the spacious blue bank of the Bank of Ireland room. <laughs> and in its glory, its filthy tendrils it clenched, the keys to my silver Honda Civic. Give me back those little bollocks, I shout. I said I'd seen the ladies first thing Monday and if you want Sersha, I can give you a lift if you're going anywhere. She got her coat. I held open the bag, whistled, and with that, the little winged star swept back his head and shot straight back in and zipped himself up. I winked and left the room. <laughs> now that's how we got a fucking job. Please play me some dwarves. Big into their shit now. Yours the Mowley, Green Hand. <laughs> that's not Mowley. That was a crazy story, Mowley. And for you, we play this track. The dwarves. Sluts of the USA. We are the sluts. Of the USA, we have the sluts of the USA. And we can fuck and we can suck and we can burst and not, we wouldn't have it any other way. Well, I could die hard, fuck time, never quit, never so smart, I'm fun. Got him shit like a girl, right? Hold tight, take a number, cook with air frags, fuck crack. Like a plumber down a drain, like late night. Easy action on a team, queen, day dream. Shake the action in a suit, can't breathe. For the last goodbye. Sticky. What are you saying about me? It's the dwarves. Oh. They suck and they fuck and they bust a nut. But you wouldn't want it any other way. Indeed, they've sucked for a good while now. They have. Stretching all the way back to the tender virginal age of 1986. Oh, I remember that. Some 13 garage punk expectorations later. Hard members, Black Dahlia, Rex Everything, Clint Torres, the Fresh Prince of Darkness and Hunter Down are still gobbling into your ears with sluts of the USA. We are the sluts. Of the USA, we are the sets of the USA. <laughs> Circumcised from the 2014 Hawking Loogie, the Dwarves invented rock and roll. Which was actually spat out on cassette. That's right, cassette's making a comeback. Totally punk rock, dudes. 
Tony, that crowd will get to be rowdy down there, aren't they? I'm a bit worried about this, Aging. They seem to be encroaching onto the media area. I think we should finish up this show fairly quickly. I uh, think so. I'll just take one last letter from the box. I don't want to be here full time. This could shut get up, shop, get out of this country. I don't know when these Russians go mental. Okay, you're still listening to the Friday Rock Show, broadcasting live from Russia for the World Cup 2018. Live in Sassy at the Fist Stadium. England have hammered Panama in front of our very eyes, and they're on to win the World Cup for all of us. Things are getting pretty rowdy at the moment, so we're going to have to finish up the show. So unfortunately, this is the last letter of tonight. Sad but true. Here's a letter from our friend Tucker. Now, regular listeners to the show probably remember that Tucker has the means of time travel, traveling uh, time and space in uh, Portaloo, thanks to the invention of the time fiddler. So let's see what he's up to this time. All right, lads. <laughs> the good thing about the Portaloo is that it just doesn't bring you to any place in time, but any place you want to go. Next on my paranormal investigation list is B for Bigfoot. That follows A for Atlantis, obviously. Bigfoot, or Sasquatch, is a strange creature that many people have claimed to have seen in the wilderness of North America. They are supposed to be big hairy creatures, a bit like my brother, but a lot taller. So, I'll get on the blower to the time fiddler, and I'll tell him we're heading for British Columbia for the weekend. Saturday morning arrives, and the fiddler is still packing. He's a ham sandwich cut into triangles, presumably by his mum, and a sawn off shotgun. Where the fuck did you get that, I asked. My mother made it. You can't buy her ham sandwiches either. No, the fucking gun! Ah, the only guy to have some farmer used to know. Taking no chances after scrapes we've had. Alright, let's get going. We won't set the coordinates for deep in the woods. Let's stop off somewhere and get a guide first. The Portaloo touched down outside Golden Ears Provincial Park. Sat at a tiny wooden office cabin was a young woman who I immediately approached. Excuse me, we are looking for a guide into the woods where we might search for Bigfoot. You would need a means of getting deep into the forest. We've got something that'll get us there in the blink of an eye, I advise. I'm a tour guide, but not for Bigfoot hunting expeditions. However, coincidentally, I have been fascinated by the legend since I was a little girl. It was then when I had my first glimpse of one. Alright, this was fortuitous. Listen, we've got cash. How about you accompany us and tell us where we should start? Georgina, as that was her name, entered the portaloo. The fiddler was at the controls. He stuck his tongue out and grimaced and rubbed his thighs. How are you? They call me the time fiddler. I play on time and space like a violin. And you know what they say? The older the fiddle, the sway her the tune. I'm Georgina Mabry, and I saw Bigfoot as a child. I have been fascinated ever since. <laughs> I'm big feet too, and you know what they say? Shut up, fiddler, and ask where we're going. The time fiddler clearly fancied this girl. While she was pretty in a plain Jane kind of way, she was now Livia. Georgina! Oh, Livia, remember uh, Livia? Yeah. She was lovely. So Georgina directed us into the heart of the woods where there had been multiple Bigfoot sightings. Some teenagers had recently drove up there in the dead of night to mess around and shoot guns when they'd heard unearthly screams coming from the woods. We spent the day hiking through the rugged terrain looking for clues. It was fun. Time Fiddler split the arse of his pants, climbing some rocks. I climbed a tree, but a branch broke and I fell about 20 feet. Okay, gotta lay off the Frey Bentos. Ultimately, we found nothing, not even a footprint. 
Bigfoot are thought to be nocturnal, so with the daylight fading, we set up camp and prepare for our night hunt. I set up a bait station with a fixed locked off camera. Georgina was quite excited. Okay, here we are in the dark woods. What do we do next? Inquired the time fiddler. We need to attract them, I replied. Are you ready to make a Bigfoot scream? As they are primates, they sound like us, so I reckon it's a low guttural roar like this. Come on, time fiddler, do one! Then Georgina started to join in. Then the time fiddler screams like a fucking banshee! That night we sit by the fire for a bit and have a few buds and roast some chicken wings. We head into the forest with our night vision cameras, but sadly we do not hear or see anything unusual save for a few owl hoots when the time fitter nearly cacks himself. We decide to retire back to the tents after an unfruitful but enjoyable night. Ah, this is why I love being a paranormal investigator. Being in a frivolous mood, I went to my bag where I had packed my Bigfoot costume. My plan had been to disguise myself as one so I would not frighten them and I might be able to interact directly with the creatures. Instead, I decided to prank the time fiddler. The time fiddler lay awake in his tent. He'd been unable to sleep due to his ferocious horn on him thinking about Georgina. All he could see was a huge ominous shadow being cast on his tent by the dwindling firelight. He regarded the shape of the shadow cautiously. It appeared hairy. Oh, is that you? a guttural roar. Mr. Jesus, it's a Sasquatch. Panicked the time fiddler. I stood there in the itchy hot suit and there wasn't a movement from the time fiddler's tent. I let out another roar. In the blink of an eye, the tent unzipped in front of me and the time fiddler came charging at me with a shotgun. I turned and ran for the woods. My movements were not gracious in the ill-fitting monkey suit. Then I heard the loud crack of the shotgun going off and felt searing pain in both buttocks. I screamed as I fell headfirst into the underground. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, time fiddler, you daft fucker! It's me! Georgina was screaming, animals were scattering, and Time Fiddler was shouting in triumph. I got one! I got a big foot! I pulled my mask off. Fuck's sake, Time Fiddler, you shot me in the arsehole! What the? Big Lord Jesus, why are you dead? Don't dress up like Bigfoot! I was pranking you, you gobshite! Why would you shoot a Bigfoot? A fucking primate, and your first instincts are to shoot it in the fucking ass. I was aiming for the head, in fairness. Georgina advised me she was trained in first aid and I brought a medical kit into Portaloo so I spent the next hour at the fireside getting shotgun pellets plucked from my bum. The time fiddler was dead jealous. He told me he expected this to end like all our other adventures with me having a romance. But even if I'd fancied Georgina, getting shot in the backside was enough to dampen anyone's passion. Once all the pellets were removed, I crawled back to my tent and Georgina retreated to hers. The time fiddler saw this as his opportunity. He took out pheromone chips, which he'd ordered off Amazon, which he'd heard attracted Bigfoot, and he started rubbing them all over himself. Once satisfied he was reeking of enough pheromones to attract Georgina, he made his way to her tent. He whispered her name at the entrance, and she reluctantly let him in. Gabin for it! The time fiddler told her all about himself, and how he was probably the greatest scientific mind on the planet, although unknown to the world at large. True as this all may be, Georgina politely informed him he was barking up the wrong tree. Georgina was a lesbian! A disconsolate time fiddler then left her tent, bemoaning his lack of luck with the ladies, grabbed a bottle of bud and headed into the trees. Official sponsor of the World Cup! There he sat in contemplation, looking into the forest, which was bathed in the silver light of the full moon. The trees stood perfectly still and nearly silent. Big foot me bollocks! Time fiddler mumbled in between a slug from his bottle. Suddenly the silence of the woods was broken by the snapping of a tree branch. 
The hair stood up on the back of the time fiddler's neck. Whoa. There was a rustling in the underground as something walked towards the time fiddler. Ah, fuck off, Tucker, before I shoot you again. He said as he turned around. What he seen standing over with him was an eight-foot figure covered head to toe in brownish-black fur and two sagging hairy breasts. It smelled foul. The time fiddler went to run but was picked up by two large hairy arms and pulled back towards the creature. Then he felt a large wet tongue going into his ear. He tried to scream but a large clammy smelly hand covered his mouth. The farmer owns it worked but not in the way the time fiddler had intended. I woke to a pained scream that made my blood run cold. I grabbed my camera. Perhaps a Sasquatch had found us. To my surprise, I found a naked time fiddler whimpering next to the embers of our campfire. Ah, <laughs> Jesus, Tucker. Was all I could get out of him. As you can imagine, the time fiddler was not keen to hang around, so we bade farewell to Georgina without, I believed anyway, any hard evidence of the existence of Bigfoot. It took a while for the time fiddler to talk to me about it, but when he finally did, he offered some reliable testimony from my preternatural files that he had encountered something unusual off close and personal in the forest that night. Whether he was sexually molested by a big Bigfoot that night, I can only speculate. Peacock's preternatural archives. Kind regards, Tucker Peacock. Ah, oh, Tucker! So, Bigfoot does exist then? Well, maybe up to time fiddler's arse. So we need to wrap it up here, the crowds are they're pushing they're co- towards us. Yeah, Jim Bailey's been bursting the head. They're attacking Jim! Come on! There'll be no snakes! Quick, put your trousers back on! We're going! The leathers are too hot! I'll fall over! Okay, we gotta get out of here quick. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not a bad person. So before we go, I'm gonna treat you to one more great track. This is Pop Evil with Be Legendary. Just like
right, there's riots going on in here. There's, Get there's, out! There's flares going everywhere. There's bottles of piss. There's no security here. We're trying to make our way out of the stadium now. So listen, thanks for listening to another Friday Rock Show. I hope you enjoy the rest of the World Cup. I hope we live oh. long enough to see it. Announcement. Evacuate! I can't carry this mission that's on my own. Leave it. Leave it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to get out of this. Come on, Jim. Get away. Jim's other leg has been broke. There's the liquor. He's always running the head first. Oh, bollocks. Run. It's the riot squad. Baiting lads with their batons. What's going on? Look. We're with the media. Don't hit us. Look at me lanyard. There's beer all over you, Tony. Ah. What's hit you? That's a bottle of piss. Fuck this. Jump it. Okay, so that was the Friday Rock Show, live from Russia for the World Cup 2018. Hurry up! I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I'd like to thank all tonight's contributors. Meldy, Baldy, Peter Farr, Jagger, Bertie Gock, Chris for calling up, Michelle for trying to make contact, the hospitality team here in the stadium. It's all going to Shaito! In the fish stadium, Jim Beglin. Thanks, Jim! Thanks to the Russians for organising the World Cup. And my producer, Tony Wilson. Great game, you can We'll see you next time. Goodbye! Good night! Get down! Ah!